Merry Christmas to you. We're so glad that you would come and, uh, and worship with us on this Christmas service. I just say this kind of as a thing I got to say, and it's not the most climactic way to start, but I got to let you know, next week we have Christmas Eve, okay? We don't have a Sunday morning service next week, okay? And the reason why I say that is because we're going to do Christmas Eve services in the evening, and I know if I don't say it, if I don't say it, someone's going to show up. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, no one told me. This is me telling you. This is me protecting myself for that conversation. Um, But I just want to make sure you're aware of that. But hey, with this last several weeks, we've been looking at like uh, the words associated with Christmas. And uh, we've looked looked at how this can be the most hopeful time of the year. And we talked about how this can be the most joyful time of the year as, as well. And, and the word that we're using this, we, this weekend is the word wonderful. That this is the most wonderful time of the year. And you go all the way back, I mean, it kind of comes from like Andy Williams, right, and that song. Um, but it's, it's also one of those words, wonderful, that it's like, it's, it's kind of difficult to define, but I would define something that is wonderful, something that is like truly, truly wonderful, that it is something that the more that you think about it, the more that you realize how great it actually is. That that life is full of all kinds of things, right? Where they present themselves as wonderful, but then like the more that you think about it, the more that you realize that it's actually not wonderful at all. And as I was thinking about just kind of like that idea, uh, one of the things I do when I'm bored is I like to play the game Tomb Blast on my phone. I don't know, maybe some of you played. It's like Candy Crush, but just easier. And uh, I really like it. And they added this feature recently where if you, uh, if you watch an ad, you get more turns. And so when I'm at the end of a level and I need maybe a few more turns, I'll watch this ad. And I came across this ad, okay? And it is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen, but it pre- presents itself as something that's truly wonderful. But the more you think about it, the more you'll realize that it's actually not. Let's uh, take a look at it here this morning. Um, excuse me, ma'am. I, you dropped all of this cash. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much. Here, why don't you have some? Uh, are you serious? This is like $500. Yeah, I'm playing Solitaire Clash and winning a ton of cash. Solitaire Clash? Yeah. You just play short, fun games, and sometimes you can win even hundreds of dollars in just a few minutes. There's no way this is legit. Well, they're an official PayPal partner, so payments are secure and lightning quick. Give it a shot. So let me get this straight, okay? You can have so much disposable income playing solitaire cash that you can drop thousands of dollars on the ground. And then a stranger picks them up, and you're like, you know what? I have so much money from solitaire cash that I am going to let you, person I've never met, keep 500 for yourself. Like, just think about that. Not only that, but okay, if you notice that it was PayPal verified, that means all the money just, they, don't, they wouldn't have cash. Like, the more that you think about it, the more that you realize, like, it's actually not that wonderful at all. But it presents itself this idea that, hey, this is truly wonderful, but it's not. And if you think about the stories that we, that we love, they're stories that the more that we think about them, though they might present themselves a certain way, that the reality of life is that life often tells us a different story than the stories that grab us. I mean, like, we were drawn to stories, right, where we are told that, that love is more powerful than evil. But when do you see that in life? 
I mean, if you were to sit down and think about the most powerful people that ever lived, are they known as loving people or are they known as ruthless people who took advantage and exploited those who were under them? That we're, we're drawn to this thing, but the more that we think about it, you've got to kind of wonder, why are we drawn to this if everything we've seen says something different? We're drawn to stories, right, where, where you think of someone who's been overlooked their entire life, and then they get this opportunity. And when they're given this opportunity, they, though they've been overlooked their entire life, they get it, and they crush it, and it's the moment they've been waiting for. And I would just say, like, in what life does that happen? Like, do you feel like that's your story? Or if you were to really think about your story, is your story one where, it, honestly, it seems like it's the opposite? It seems like the people who get opportunities are the ones who don't deserve it. But even though life tells us something different, we're drawn to it. Why? Or, or back when people used to watch Disney movies, the, the, the big one was this. It was that someday, someday your prince will come and they will rescue you from everything that is holding you back, everything that is ailing you. And if you were to really think about your experience, I imagine some of us would have to be honest and say, you know, I still feel like I'm waiting. I still feel like those things that are holding me back, that no one, not talking romantically, but, but nothing has come to really truly help me be free from this thing that has been holding me. And the question worth asking is, like, if that is really our experience, if that is life, why are we so drawn to things when life has told us a completely different story? And I would argue that the reason why we are so drawn to those things is because there's, there's another story happening inside of the story. And that God has put something inside of our hearts that, that makes us long to find things that are truly wonderful because he knows that the more that we look at these other things, the more that we're going to be looking. I like the way that the author of Ecclesiastes says it. He says it this way. He says that God has put eternity in our hearts, meaning that there's something about him, something about his existence that we are just kind of aware of. And, and, and the great pastor Tim Keller says that what's happening in those stories the reason why we're so drawn to them, even though we have all this reason to believe that's not how the world works, is because this eternity that has been placed in our hearts lets us know that there are elements of them that are true. And you see their trueness in the beauty of what starts at Christmas. And I love the way that the Apostle Paul talks about what Jesus did in coming into the world. It's kind of a theological text, but still, it, it paints the picture of what he did when he came into the world. He says this in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 5, he says this, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That this is one of those things that is truly wonderful because as you look at it from every angle, all you will see is its beauty. And so I just have two thoughts this morning about the wonderfulness of Jesus. And the first one is this. It's very basic, but it's true. It's that Jesus is truly wonderful. That he's truly wonderful. That oftentimes when people read Philippians chapter 2, they're, they're drawn to the first part. And the first part is amazing, and we'll look at it in a second. But, but honestly, what makes the first part so amazing is the second. Because what, what Paul is saying is he's saying that that this Jesus who emptied himself, that he was the best, that, there, that he was truly wonderful, that every aspect of who he was was something that was wonderful. He says that his name was the name that was above every name. And, and, and this is a concept I think that we're all somewhat aware of, but we don't really think about all that often. Like there are names that just mean something. That if someone were to walk into this room and they were to be like, I am a Walton, I am an heir to the Walmart throne. We would be like, oh man, there's a Walton here. And I would, I'd beeline it to him right after surgery. Hey, have you heard about the Make Room campaign? Like that's what, that's what would happen. That name means something, right? That locally, if you hear that someone is related to Johnny Morris, or, or you hear that someone is, is related, or they're like an O'Reilly, as soon as you hear that, that name means something to you, right? That if Aaron Sachs, or someone connected to Aaron Sachs walked into this room right now, there would be five people that would go up to him after service and be like, hey, so Travis Kelsey, is he cool? Or, like everybody, right? And then there'd be one of you that'd be very bold and you'd be like, hey, could you give me tickets to Taylor Swift? I mean, like, I just know. Like, that's why? Because his name means something. That it's a name that means, what, what, what Paul is saying is he's saying, yeah, there are names that mean things. There are names that when you think of them, they, they elicit certain thoughts and images. But Jesus' name, that his name is greater than all of those. That the greatest name that you can think of, Jesus' name is greater. And what he's saying, he's saying that Jesus actually has God's name. And he says, not only does he have God's name, not only is his name truly great, not only does it mean something, but he says that also, as great as his name is, that the day will come when everyone will see how great it is. He says, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He's saying that there will come a moment in time where we will no longer be talking about how great his name is, but we'll all be experiencing it for ourselves. That there will come a moment in time, a moment in history, when Jesus will return and we'll see him as he is and the only response to him will be to bow and to worship because he is truly wonderful. And as the text moves forward, it really brings us to this point where his name is above every name, where everyone will see it, acknowledge it, experience that. And it all kind of crescendos at this point that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he's Lord. That what Paul's saying is he's saying that he has no rival that he has no equal, that no one is greater than him, that he is in himself truly wonderful.
And when you think of people who are wonderful, who are truly great, who elevate, who climb, who reach levels of statuses where their name starts to mean things, do you think of people that become more like us or less like us? Usually, right, when someone, the greater someone becomes, the less they become like you and me. They, they want to do things to separate themselves from us because on, 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 on the fact that they are so great that they, will, they, they don't need us anymore. But what we see with Jesus is we see that though he is truly wonderful, that Jesus does wonderful things. That yes, he is great. That we can't even wrap our minds around how great he is. And that even though he is that great, even though he is that wonderful, he chooses to become like us. I mean, think about what he says here. That Jesus, that he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. I mean, that's what Christmas, that's what happened at Christmas. He emptied himself. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That even though he was so strong, he allowed himself to become weak. That even though he was God in heaven, he allowed himself to feel pain. Why would anyone do that? Because he's wonderful. He's truly wonderful. He does wonderful things. That this God who has the name that is God's name, the God who, who, who can't be confined in the universe, that the universe is so big and we keep finding that it's bigger, and the reason why is because the universe is created with one purpose and it's to declare his glory. And yet, even though he is so big and so great, that in, in the incarnation, as he chose to become man, he confined himself to a single cell. That he emptied himself of all of this and became this. That he, could have, he could have controlled, I mean, he's God. He could have controlled where he was born could have been born into a palace with a king, with all the privileges of that day. But he was born to an illiterate Jewish girl, and he immediately began his life as a refugee so that he could identify with us in our pain. That not only is he wonderful, but he does wonderful things. And what we have to realize is that someone who is wonderful, someone who is truly wonderful, who does wonderful things, isn't someone that the greater they become, the more they become separate. But someone who does wonderful things is someone who the greater they become, the more they're willing to get their hands dirty, the more they're willing to, to play on the floor, with it, the more they're willing to say, I'm not separate. That that's exactly what Jesus did. And the reason why it's wonderful, it's truly wonderful, 
is because the more that you think about it, the more that it will captivate you, the more that it will grab you. This is the reason why every year we can tell the same story this time of year. Because the more that we think about it, the more that we discover that it's wonderful. And if you go all the way back to those stories that grab our attention, I would argue that the reason why they do, it's partially because his story is in all of those stories. That what's available to us through him is in all of those things. Because he put eternity in our hearts. That there's something inside of us that just knows. Maybe, even though everything that we've heard, even though everything that we've been told is one way that there is something else that's happening. Thinking about those stories, like the story of Peter Pan. What's the, what's the promise of Peter Pan? So someday you're going to go somewhere where you'll never grow old. And maybe you'll even fly. And that's the promise of Scripture, is it not? That this, you, you grow old once, and then you spend eternity with God forever, never growing old, and I believe that you will fly. Even if you think about something stupid like solitaire cash, which is so dumb, so dumb. And I'm excited to see how many of you downloaded it on, as you're here. But what's the promise of solitaire cash? Well, it's that you have enough. Is that you have so much that you'll be able to freely give. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to give you more than you'll ever need. Though it's ridiculous, there's an element of it this year, that's why it draws us. When you think of the stories that, that, that we love, where it's like a story of someone searching for this thing, right? And they spend the whole movie searching for this thing, and then they finally find it, and then they find it, and it's like, I found what I've been looking for. Why does that grab us? Because there's something that we've been looking for. And it's him. He's the answer. He came into this world so that you could find him. And even that idea that someday your prince will come. He did. That he came to rescue you from everything that's holding you down. And not only does that give us hope for the next world, but it also means as we live our lives in this world, at this time, that the king of the world thought we were worth rescuing, which should always do something inside of our hearts if we allow it. It's truly wonderful. But it's one of those things that the more that you think about it, the more that it will grab you, the more that you'll love it, the more that you'll be awed by it, and as true as that is, maybe there are some of you in the reality of your circumstance in this room or watching online, is that you're struggling. That you're like, I, I want to, I, maybe you're like, I don't know that I want, I don't know that I believe that. And, and maybe the reason why you struggle is because you haven't looked closely at the things you've put your trust in. What if that thing in your life were, that you're really counting on, and what if that thing doesn't come through? What if that thing in your life that you are pursuing with all of your energy, all of your time, all of your... What if what, if what happens is that you find it and you realize that it's not enough? What if you spend your whole life pursuing something and you never attain it? Maybe, just maybe, if you were to think about it all the ways around, what you would discover is you would discover that it's not wonderful at all. Maybe you're here 
And it's hard for you to cross that threshold into faith. And it's because of your circumstances that are surrounding you that it feels heavy. And because it feels so heavy, you're just like, I don't know. And what I would say to you, if that's where you are, is that the beauty of the gospel is that he offers you hope in the next life and joy in this one. And as you sit there, and really sometimes what it takes is it takes for you to cross that threshold and say, I am going to put my trust in him and to believe that he is truly wonderful. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we're thankful that we can know you. God, we're thankful that it's so wonderful that the God who made the world, that he came in a way where we could know him where he came into this world in a way that we can be transformed by his love and his grace. And I just pray, God, as we sit here in this room, because we're watching online, I just pray that we would ask ourselves the question, do we know how wonderful he is? Maybe there are people here and they know you and they have a relationship with you, but God, what they need is they need some of that wonder. I pray, God, that you to find it. Maybe there are people and the reality of their circumstances is they don't. They don't have a relationship with you. And that, God, you desire to do something wonderful in their heart. Whatever the case may be, I just pray that as we think on this, that we would be aware of who you are. That we'd see the beauty of the fact that no matter how we look at this, it's only better. And so, God, I just pray that you would open our hearts to that, that we would cross the threshold of faith, and that we would discover who you are and what we come to do. It's in Jesus' name.